You know what I think the biggest problem in the world today is, is, is rejection. To one or de to some or other degree. Am I talking to anybody here? Yes. Rejection. That you do not feel good enough. That you do not feel accepted. That you fall short. That you are flawed. That you are weak. That you don't live up to people's expectations. Dangerous territory. Because no good comes out of that mindset. Nothing good comes out of that. All it is is giving Satan a foothold to play with you. Because what happens when you fall short? You feel anxious. Alright? What's the next step from anxiety? Depression. It's distress, isn't it? You're distressed. You're not lacquer. You can't put your finger on it, maybe. Am I right? Yes. And what does that lead to? It leads to worry, right? The next little step is worry. You're worried now. Am I going to make it? What's going on? What, uh, am I normal? Right? Just puts questions into your mind, right? That leads to your depression. Right? What does depression lead to? Oppression, your next step, you're quite right. You feel oppressed. You feel oppressed. You become hopeless. You can't see any light. You're in this dark dungeon of a, of a jail that you can't seem to get out of. Right? And your cycles become longer and longer and you can become more and more hopeless and you just spend more and more time in bed, more and more time, if you can, I, knew, I counseled one lady who stayed in bed once for three months. She got her food delivered to the door. She never saw another person in three months. She got delivered, by the way, praise the Lord. And what do you get to? You get a point of hopelessness where you just think, Ugh, what, what the hell am I getting up for? No one's going to miss me if I don't get up today. I might as well just off myself. Isn't it? So it leads to suicidal thoughts. Right? Yeah. What comes with all of that will also become a little bit of, of frustration, fear, anger, doubt. You know? Seems like some of you guys can counsel me. <laughs> guys, wake up, man. I'm doing the work, not you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So what do we do about this? I'm going to show you a different side of the Stations of the Cross tonight. A different side. We all know Jesus suffered for our stripes, right? By, by His stripes we were healed. Right? We all know that Jesus shed His blood and became sin for us. I'm going to show you a different side of what Jesus did for us tonight. And I hope you can relate because if you're human, you should. If you're human, you should. Because in this body, we all suffer. There is no utopia. If there was a utopia, the people selling miracle creams to keep you young would be out of business. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm reading Romans 8, verse 30 to 34. It says this. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now we know all good things come from the Father of lights. Mm -hmm. So when he says freely give us all things, anything that's good. Right? How can you feel rejection? Is my question. If he gave up his most precious thing that he, in all creation, which was a part of him, his son, to, to die on the cross for you because he loves you, why are you getting depressed at what broken people tell you? Broken people living in a broken world label you a loser and you believe them rather than what the living God, your creator, who speaks a hundred billion galaxies out of his mouth, says about you. You see, because if you believe the lie, it's as strong as the truth. If you believe that you are a loser, a reject, you fall short, I am weak, I am depressed, I am hopeless. That is who you will be because what your man believes in his heart, so he is. God has made you in his image and likeness. So when God talks in faith, let there be stars. Whoa, stars are there. You're made in his image and likeness. You say, I am not a loser, I am a winner, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. You're going to be more than a conqueror in Christ. If you make up your mind, you want to be a helicopter pilot, man, you work two jobs in the day and go to school at night, but you will become a helicopter pilot. Even if it takes you 15 years. Amen. So what are you believing about yourself, bro? Sister? <laughs> what are you believing about yourself? You've made up your copy as 10% of reality. You're only using 10% of your brain power if you're the most clever person on earth. Why are you believing? God says, don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on me. Because I'm operating in 100%. You're only operating in hopefully 10. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But if you believe the lie, it is truth for you, isn't it? So you need to wash. So, where's the rejection? Everybody sitting in this room suffers to some form of, of some degree of rejection. And yet he's given his most precious commodity to pay it for you and show you how much he loves him, how much he loves you. So what's it going to take? A lightning bolt? What more can God do? What more can He give to show you? You are loved and you are precious. You are the apple of my eye. See what I'm saying? So there's a miscommunication somewhere. And it's not from God. It's from you. 
Because we love to have a little pity party sometimes, isn't it? Eh? We go and hold out a little pity party. <laughs> pity party. Party. <laughs> yeah? Because then people are going to feel sorry for me. Shame. Really? Huh? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Lord, give me the words to speak. All right. We're reading from the mirror. John 18, verse 19, 21, 22, 24 from the mirror. Before this happens, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives, just through the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. You can see it from... And he's praying. He knows that he's going to go and be separated from his father for the first time in all eternity. He's praying. And he starts sweating. Have any of you ever hit an anxiety where you start sweating? Where your heart skips a beat and you start... Like heart, the heart flashes and what, what, what. He clapped one of those in the garden to an extent that there was blood coming out. Any of you see the mountain in your heads much bigger than the mountain actually is before him? Jesus was totally human as well as totally God. You can relate. You can relate to your fear, your anxiety, your worry, your stress. To that extent that he starts sweating blood. I, I haven't gotten to that point where I sweat blood. I have feared. The cross started a long time before the crucifixion. You guys with me? Why do you think Jesus went through that? To restore mankind. Sorry? To restore mankind unto God. He's making a way, yes. Well, he was a man because he says he was tempted in all points like a man. So every temptation that man has had, he was tempted. But he didn't sin. Right? But what happens? He says, by, by his stripes, you were healed. Is this not a strike? This is not from God. Negative emotions to the, the, to the extent that you're sweating blood. Is it? That's anxiety within him. Because he's always been with the Father in a holy place. Now suddenly, he knows that his Father has sent him and he's going to cut him. Because he became our sin. He didn't carry our sin. He became our sin. Every sin that's committed by every person who ever lived, he carried. That's enough to make a holy God sweat. Sweat blood. So what does he do? He's paying the price for you, isn't it? By, your, by, by his stripes you are healed. So he's paying the price for you when you are anxious, when you are fearful, when you are stressed out. 
He's paying the price right there in the garden on the way to the cross, the crucifixion. He's paying the price for you, for you that you don't have to stress if you come to Him. You don't have to be anxious if you come to Him. He's paid the price. By His stripes, you are healed. Are you seeing a different side to this now? Because part of your flesh is your soul realm, isn't it? The seat of your emotions. Do you see the price he's paid for you? Do you see how much he loves you? He looked across time from the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, okay, Brad, I'll, I'll, I'll pay it for him. I'll do it for him. He said, Father, if you can, take this cup from me. But not your will. Not my will, your will. Be done. I'll do it for Brad. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> eh? It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Because he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He chose you before the foundation of the earth. He said, I'm going to go and pay the price for all of their sins. Even Brad, when he nailed me to the cross. Because how many times has Brad turned his back and taken a nail and slapped it, smacked it through his feet? Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Okay. John 18, 19. 18 verse 19. The high priest then began to question Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Anybody here been questioned? Not unbelieved? Not believed? So what did he do? What happens when you get questions and you don't get believed? You start defending yourself, don't you? He says you don't have to. You're the apple of my eye. I've paid it for you. Don't get upset. You don't need to. In me, strength. People don't believe you. Speak the truth. Right? If you go through this old stations of the cross, you'll see every single emotion has been paid for. I'm touching on some. I'm just touching on some. All right. So he says to them, why do you question me? Talk to my audience if you wish to find out. He's saying, why do you question me? You're not going to believe me. Why don't you speak to the people that I've spoken to and you'll get a true report. Right? That's all he's saying. He's not freaking anybody out. He says, when he said this, one of the temple police slapped him in the face and scolded him. How dare you speak to the high priest in this manner? Anybody relate to being misunderstood? When you just speak the truth without meaning anything and a person turns around and they just like, what? Huh? Who do you think you are? Come tune me like that. Huh? He says, you don't need to get upset when people do that because I have paid for three ways. I've paid for you, your emotion. I've paid for the one who got insulted and misunderstood. I've paid for them. Come to me. Gain your strength and don't buy into that because that person's going to turn around at you with anger and you're going to retaliate and who wins? The very one 
that's trying to take away your holiness, which I've paid for. Am I talking to anybody? Amen. You want to tell me he doesn't love you? He has paid for even the smallest little spiteful word that has been said to you. To the very crucifixion people crucifying your character. He's paid it all. And he's paid for that one who crucified you. So who are you? To judge that one who's crucified you. It's been paid for by Jesus. Because let me tell you one thing. You walk around with unforgiveness in you. You're stopping all your blessings right there. Amen. Right there. The person who has hurt you is not being hurt by it. Because it's paid for. You are hurting yourself by unforgiveness. You're putting a door between Jesus and you. So Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Have you ever felt bound? Yeah. For no reason. This is an innocent man. Treated like a criminal. Anybody been there? Yes. Paid for. Paid for by Jesus. So he took the judgment. Anybody here felt judged before? Anyone here been offended? Paid for. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He carried it for you. He became it for you. He became offense for you. I can't even imagine what that means. I can't even imagine what that means. What I do know is it made him sweat blood to be cut off from his father because he became sin. Your sin. My sin. Your sin. He became it. That's why he had to be cut off. Because the Holy God cannot look on sin. And the father said, I'll do that because I love her. I'll do that. I love him. Hey, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? What a God who would leave his throne and come and die for me. What a God. There's no other God who says, you don't even have to work for it, bro. I've done it for you. All you have to do is love me. That's all I'm asking. I want a relationship of love with you because I am love. Wow. It boggles my mind. I mean, I'm not a guy who cries easily, but I get tears in my eyes. Oh, that helps a lot. <laughs> and what are we doing with this, guys? Come now. Time to wake up, eh? John 19, verse 1 to 3. Pilate took Jesus and gave the order for him to be scourged. You know, God has this, such a humility about him. Because God wrote the Bible, am I right? Through men. Right? It's a one sentence. 
One sentence. You know what that entailed? It entailed them taking your shirt off and there's a block that they tie you over, right? And then they use what they called a cat of nine tails. It is a whip with nine leather straps. In the straps are pieces of glass, lead balls, and pieces of bone, whatever, tied into those straps. So when, he, when you get hit once, it's nine shots. Nine shots. They hit you 39 times because on the 40th time they've checked it out, you die. So they stop on 39 lashes. 39 times 9. Whip strokes. This is how humble Jesus is. He writes in, Pilate took me and he gave him an order for me to be whipped. He's not bringing attention to himself. That whip, wah, that glass cuts in. Those lead balls hammer into the flesh. When they pull it out, it rips the flesh off. It's a bloody mess after 39 times 9. Am I talking to anybody? Yes. For you. Has anybody here been physically hurt? A lot of people say, I'd rather take the physical than the emotional. Believe me, this physical... I think I'll think twice about it, maybe. <laughs> right? Have you been physically hurt for no reason whatsoever? Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid for it. He never sinned. He never got angry. He never took offense. He never blamed. He never spoke a word. Why? Why? He looked across time and he saw Calvin. He said, I'll do this for Calvin. Because Calvin will know that I love him. He's not a reject. He's the apple of my eye. That's my God that we serve. Gave him an order to be whipped. Huh? He thinks like he's a little pea shooter. Tick, tick. The soldiers flattered a crown of thorns and they placed it on his head. They also threw a purple garment over him. What they're saying there is they're mocking him. They're saying that you're the king. You have a crown of thorns and a purple robe supposed to depict royalty, right? Anybody here been mocked? Anyone here been bullied? You see, if you go to Jesus, he knows exactly what you're talking about. He knows the pain that you are going through. But guys, without pain, where's the reward? If you don't suffer, how are you going to appreciate the good times? We know it's not lucky to be here in rehab, man. Isn't it? But are you going to get this message outside? Are you going to get the truth outside? You're not going to go to church, man. You're going to go to the dealer's church. <laughs> you're not going to get the truth. That's why you're here. Because you're, the truth needs to sink in. We all want to go home after two months or three months, man. But look at the suffering that Jesus did for you. What are you doing to get him? 
Where's the reciprocation? You can't live in your flesh, man. Your flesh is going to die. You're a spirit man. You can't live according to this thing. This thing wants to go home and missing family and blah, 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 blah. No, it doesn't help to go home and miss family because you're not going to get Jesus. If you can't prove that you're willing to do this for six months for Jesus, then what are you doing? What are you doing, man? Really, do you believe? Do you believe then? This is my question to you. I'm going to start preaching any minute. <laughs> then they positioned themselves in front of him and scorned him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, while continually slapping him in the face. In Isaiah, it says that his face was marred beyond recognition as a man. It's not this beautiful Jesus that you see on the cross with a little trickle of blood and a crown of thorns. You could not recognize if he was a man or a woman. They punched him, they hit him, they slapped him, they clawed him, they pulled his beard out, plucked his beard out, that his face became a complete mass of raw flesh. By his stripes, you are healed. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And had he sinned, he couldn't become your sin. So you couldn't sin. He paid the price. He carried your sin. He paid the price. He carried the sin of the perpetrator who scorned you and slapped you in the face. The one who treated you less than a queen. Because they don't know that you are the queen of God. Can I hold unforgiveness against somebody who is ignorant? No. All I'm going to do is hurt myself. I've got to forgive. I've got to make the choice and forgive. It's paid for. His and mine. And not only is it paid for, but the strength. I can go to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm not feeling like I'm not going to sin. I'm keeping it in me. Take this burden from me. You paid for it by your stripes. I am healed. Hallelujah. Amen. The answer is there. It says, I carried it. Why don't you come to me? I love you. I've paid the price. Let me comfort you. Come to me. Love me back. You won't find this in the world. It's not yet. It's called agape or agape love. It's God. It's not yet. No man can give you this. He's as broken as you are, if not more. They related to our humanity. So Jesus says to him, Look, Pilate, you have no authority over me except what was given to you from above. Therefore, he who handed me over to you as the greatest sin. And this motivated Pilate even more to make every effort to release him. But the Jews would not buy into it at all. 
They cried out, if you even consider to release this man, you prove that you are not loyal to Caesar because this man's claim to royalty makes him Caesar's enemy. What a lie. What a lie. Caesar was not their king. They were Jews. Right? The Romans were oppressing them. So now all of a sudden, they're telling this guy, he said he's a king. So if you release him, you are disobeying Caesar. And Caesar is the, is the total authority. So they twisted these words right around. Anybody relate? Your words get so twisted and warped and used against you when you never meant them that way at all. Jesus can relate. Did he get angry? Did he retaliate? Did he call down 12 legions of angels to come and just wipe them out with fire? No. Why? Because he loved Shahir. He said, Shahir's name is written on the palm of my hands. Will I not go to the cross and be his sin for him so that he can see that I love him? Remember in the garden, they came to arrest him. Peter took out his sword and he cut the guy's ear off. Shoop. And Jesus said, no, Peter. Are you trying to stop me to go and do what I came here to do? And he took the guy's ear and he put it back. Jesus embraced his cross. He didn't look very pretty. But he wasn't concerned about what he looked like. See, God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. He's more concerned in you finding peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Than about your suffering, because you're going to use your suffering to shape your character to that. And that's the only way that you're going to get there, is to partake of his suffering. To take the onslaught, to take the insult and not get upset and start acting like Jesus. I'm so, I'm, I hate to have to bring you this revelation. But the revelation is your two cheeks are in these plastic chairs because of your consequences of your behavior. This is not even consequences for his behavior. And you can't even handle the consequences of your own wrongdoing and you won't admit it. And do what you have to do. Am I talking to somebody? Amen. That's pretty arrogant. They cried out, lift him up, lift him up, crucify him. Pilate uh, said, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests, the religious dudes, the main canonies, the holy huddle, they said, we have no other king but Caesar. What a lie. What a lie. <laughs> so the soldiers who crucified Jesus took his outer garments and divided them between the four of them. The inner garment was a seamless woven tunic. So they therefore discussed between themselves not to tear the inner garment, cost lots for it to determine whose it will be. 
Isn't that telling somebody you are worthless? Your clothes are worth more than your life. Hey? How more degrading can it be? Your face cannot be recognized as a man. Your back is a bloody mess from being whipped. Your feet and your hands are nailed to a cross. And they take your clothes off in front of your mother. And they lift you high so everybody can see your nakedness. Have you been humiliated? To like an extent like that? You're totally helpless. Eh? You can do absolutely nothing. You're a bloody mess. Your arms are stretched out. You're nailed to a cross and you're naked. You can't even cover your own nakedness. He loves you. Is there any doubt? Is there any doubt, guys? No. Are you rejected? Did he reject you in that time and say, no, I'll pay the price for some but not others? He didn't. So somebody come tell me now I'm a reject. I fall short. I'm not good enough. I'm weak. I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. Whatever. Who am I going to believe? The God who paid a price like this to prove to me that I'm not a reject? Or a broken person because he's got an opinion to express? Who am I going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? Is the question. One way, one truth, one life. And when the sixth hour had come, that is 12 o'clock, midday, right? Darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because it's written that God shut the heavens. For the first time in all eternity, Jesus was cut off because he loves you. Cut off from holiness, he became sin. He left heaven and became sin. And because he didn't sin, he was able to go back to heaven holy. For you. Your name was written in the palm of his hands as they clapped. You know those nails were 12 inches long? Piece of metal? Clapped through you? Not play, play, little, nice little machine nails. They were cut by hand. They had little ragged edges and stuff. When they threw that, they tore into your flesh. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and he breathed his loss. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What does that mean? That means that I've opened heaven now. You can come to me every time. You feel any of these negative emotions. Come to me. Run to me. I'll help you carry them again. I've carried them. You can come get the strength to do it. Come to me. Stop trying medicines. Stop going to doctors. I'm not saying you don't go to doctors when you're ill, but 
when you are feeling down and depressed and you can't handle your emotions, come to me, he says. I've, I've felt every single emotion on your behalf. Negative emotion. You must know in heaven you felt none of that. You came here to feel it, to prove his love for you. And open a door and the veil is torn, the veil into the most holy place you can enter in with boldness. It's paid for, justified, just as if you'd never sinned. Come to me. Because this is where you're going to get the love that you need. You're not going to find it in the world. I have the answers. And when the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, the centurion, even the unbelieving centurion who was standing right in front of him, saw the way he breathed his last. He said, truly this man was the son of God. What's he saying? I paid the price for that very man who nailed my feet and my hands to the cross. I paid the price for him as well. Your attitude must change, guys. Stop being a victim. You're not a victim. You're not a victim. He says you are a peculiar people. You are a royal priesthood. In other words, the blood, holy blood, is flowing through your veins. Why? Because you have Holy Spirit in you. If you are in me and I am in you, you shall ask anything and it shall be done for you. Alright? So if you forgive men their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Why, does, why is it essential for you to forgive? Because Jesus paid for you and for Him. Because every single emotion that I've, 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 I've gone through here, you have done to other people. So you are guilty, you're not just the victim. Because nine times out of ten, the guy who gets raped becomes homosexual and does the fornication with other guys. Isn't it? What you hate in your mother is what you become. Isn't it? So you're just as guilty. So why are you condemning somebody else for doing the exact same thing that you do to other people? Hypocrite. Matthew 5.22 I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. You're not even supposed to get angry. You're supposed to realize that the person who is broken and does not understand, and is ignorant, who is hurting you in whatever way, why get angry with him? Pray for him. Pray, Jesus, give him enlightenment. Jesus, open his spiritual eyes and ears that he can understand what he is doing. Isn't that love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. You know what anger does? Anger gives the devil a foothold, right? According to Ephesians 4, 27, 26 to 27. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. Why? Because what does anger bring with it? It brings worry, brings stress, brings anxiety, brings sarcasm, brings criticism, right? Or any of those positive emotions. It makes you pull away. It makes you use it more or less. It makes you work more or less. It makes you isolate yourself. It makes you estranged from God. Um, I could go on and on. 
So you're going to go to bed angry, you're going to give the devil a foothold in your heart and you wake up the next morning you're angry and you don't know why. <laughs> Somebody bumps you and you turn around and slap them out of their shoes. It's because you've embraced your anger. You have, you're walking with unforgiveness. That's why. So now who are you serving now? Jesus paid for it, but you'll hold on to it. Your choice. Isn't it? You don't have to be angry with people. You don't have to take offense with people. If therefore you are presenting your offering before the altar and there you remember your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come present your offering. Don't come here if you had an argument with your wife and now come and say, I'm giving my tithe. That tithe is not going to be accepted because there's unforgiveness in your heart. And Jesus has forgiven you, but you won't forgive your neighbor, your brother, your sister who you can see. Then you're a hypocrite. Isn't that? Blessed are the peacemakers. Getting something? It's quite a harsh word, eh? But your spirit of rejection must duck. We owe God everything, isn't it? It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So what are the commandments that Jesus has said his disciples were to keep? It's that simple, must love one another. And if you love somebody, you won't lie to them, you won't cheat, you won't steal from them, you won't covet their spouse or their belongings. Isn't it? You want the best for that person. So if I get rid of the unforgiveness in me, and believe me, if you've been carrying it a while, it's become a stronghold. You need to renounce it. You need to break it. You need to say, I don't want this unforgiveness. I forgive for, and I renounce the spirit of unforgiveness and I command it to leave in the name of Jesus. You need to do that. Otherwise, you're going to walk around with unforgiveness, critical, sarcastic spirit for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, me, I'm a victim. No, you're not a victim. You've been set completely free in Christ. Who is the lifter of my head? Get rid of the unforgiveness and God will lift your head. Right? Get rid of the unforgiveness and I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. Get rid of the unforgiveness. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the country. Get rid of the unforgiveness and God says, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. Everything that you've lost, I will give it all back to you. Right? Get rid of the unforgiveness. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. Right? Get rid of the unforgiveness. I have peace. I have love. I have joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the broken world comes and says, what the hell are you happy about? Didn't you hear what Zuma did last night? And you say, who's Zuma? <laughs> you want the promises of God, guys? Start walking with forgiveness. Start giving people a break. Start allowing them to make mistakes.
So why should we love the so-called unlovable? Because we are ambassadors of Christ. We represent a kingdom that people don't know about and can't see. If, if the Holy Spirit says to me, go to this young lady and heal her of her liver cancer, right? And I come along and I say, I haven't got any bucks. But the Lord has told me you've got liver cancer. Do you want to be healed? And she says, yes. And I, I say, in the name of Jesus, Jesus heals you. Am I not Jesus to her? Ooh, blasphemy. Isn't that? Because she doesn't know who Jesus is. She's never met him. But suddenly she's been healed by Kevin. And now suddenly Kevin has become Jesus to her. Yeah, in the practical way, she's living with a tacky, cloppy tear. <laughs> Not up there, one day, pie in the sky, when I die, I'm going to fly. <laughs> and no more sire. You see what I'm saying? We are Jesus' hands and feet in this world. That is why. That is why we have to love the unlovable. Because he loved us first, now we can love him. Are you getting it? Amen. Are you getting it? Yes. You are a body of Christ. We live in a physical world, so you have to be the physical Christ because Christ has paid and done what he has to do and he's sitting in heaven and he's an advocate for us fighting our case with God. Right? You are the one who is born where you're born. You are the one who has the friend circle that you have. You have to influence wherever you go, isn't it? He's the chastisement of our peace. We have to show them this, isn't it? God is our peace. There's no peace in this world, is there? Pretend, pretend. Ooh, I've got a house down by Neisner, uh, uh, right on Neisner Heads, and uh, I'm okay, it's paid for, and I can now retire. There's no peace in that, because the government could change tomorrow and they could appropriate your house. Where's your peace now? Right? There's no peace on earth, man. Yet we've got peace in here. Because Christ is our peace. He's the lifter of our heads, isn't it? It's tough when people come and abuse you and slander you and, and, and criticize you and so on when you are in the right. It's tough. To and not treat them any differently than what you did before they came and did it to you. Huh? See, you need a lift over your head. You need to run to Jesus and say, Lord, you're hectic. Hectic. God didn't deserve that. Help me, please, not to lose my peace. Lift my head. I feel like I'm, yes, like I'm a loser now after all that. But you're the lifter of my head. I'm going to start speaking what you say about me. I'm going to run to Jesus. I'm going to embrace him. I'm going to sit on his lap and look into his clear eyes of fire, of burning love for me. And he's going to lift my head. He's the lover of your soul. Isn't it? 
Jy gaan nie vrou kry wat jou siel lief het nie. Daar is die soort ding. He's our very next breath, you know that? Without Jesus, you wouldn't even have another breath to breathe. It's by grace. It's by grace and love. Maybe she'll get it tonight. Maybe she'll get it tonight. She'll, she'll love me. She'll love me and, and understand how much I love her. He's our salvation. I don't think anyone can argue after what we've just read, is it? Without him paying the price, there's no way into a holy heaven. Right? He's our deliverer. We have to run to him to, be, to get delivered, isn't it? How do we fall in love with a person? We spend time, isn't it? We run to them. I'm speaking from ladies' perspective now. A strong man. Yeah? We run to them for comfort. We run to them with our problems. It's just for a listening ear, for help when we need it, um, for uh, a counsel, whatever the case might be, isn't it? Isn't it the same with your Father in heaven? And how are you ever going to fall more and more in love with Him if you don't go to Him with your problems? You try and do it yourself in your own mind, sitting on the throne of your own life. Near mine. Take the throne of your own life as a plastic stool. Huh? Not glorious at all. You heard that, 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 that form inglorious bastards. <laughs> yeah? Jesus is the answer in every situation to every question. Isn't it? If you're not going to go and tap into the Almighty, and you're going to work in your own little strength and in your own little copy. Enjoy your rejection. Enjoy your rejection. You know why you rejected? Because the ruler of this world was in the very presence of the Holy God. And he got scoped out because of pride. And now he hates you because you can get back, he can't. That's where your rejection, because the ruler of this world will make you feel rejected all the time. Because he comes to steal, kill, destroy. Right? He's our comforter. You need comfort. Where are you going to go? Who understands you better than Jesus? Who paid for your discomfort that you're feeling right now? Who can comfort you better? Ach nee, as ek net a man kan optel vir die aand. Want hier kom alles. En dan voel ek fantastisch. Fantastisch. And I wake up in the morning, I'm just as broken as I was the night before. In fact, I'm worse off because he's left me and he didn't even make me a cup of coffee. That's how much it is. I've just been used once more. Eh? He's off to the gym. He's our light. When we don't understand, we need an answer to a problem. Lord, there's two jobs going. I need to go to the job where I can spread you. Which one is it? Give me light. Go to him for your answers. 
Why are you making choices by yourself when you can't tell what's happening in the future, whether that's the right job or not? You join that job because it's bucks. But you hate it. You only find out after you get there you hate it. But you went after the money. No, but no. Why don't you just ask Jesus, which way, Lord? I've got two choices here. Which one? And he'll tell you the right one. Isn't it? Lord, which church should I go to? One that's vibrant and is going to talk to me, that you're going to talk to me, where I can get involved, where I can serve you, and I can reach people and touch people. Which church should I go to, Lord? I'm just going to go here because it's convenient. Huh? It's right here. Check me. I guarantee you one thing. You ask God where your, where your church is, number one. He'll place you in a church that's close to your work and he'll give you a house that's close by to your church. Because he's not confused. Alright. He is our only sure hope. And what else can you hope in this world? Huh? Who's trustworthy? Nobody's trustworthy. Every single person lets you down. One way or another, because of your expectations of that person. Yeah? There's only one hope. The veil was torn, come get it. Right? He's our life, bro. He's our very life. Without him we're dead. That's as simple as that. I give the spirit of life and I take the spirit of life. Right? He's all things to all men. He may speak to, to different people in different ways. He don't organize, uh, doesn't gonna, uh, What's going on? He doesn't connect. <laughs> He's not going to speak to everybody in the same way. We all wired differently and we all worship him in different ways, isn't it? That's why he's a glorious God. Okay, not that one. All right. <laughs> you are not a victim. You are not a mistake. I don't care if you are a rape baby. God says, I give life and I take life. There's no confusion. Do you know that God is the one who gives you spirit? Which is life, right? Your father and mother didn't give you a spirit, they gave you a body. They gave you a house to live in. Isn't it? At the, at the moment of conception. They created the body, but Jesus created the spirit, which is your eternal being. Because when you go to heaven, you're going to get a different body. Isn't it? Tell me you're a reject. How can you believe that you're a reject? It's a lie. It's a lie. You need to tap into your God. Spend time with Him and hear what He has for your life. And you will start living in the fullness of life that Jesus Christ died. Clip it. Only if you want to. I do. Uh, Father God, first and foremost, I want to say all praise, all glory to your mighty majestic name. Uh, I'm in awe of how you communicate through our elders here in the church and ministry to exalt your name. I pray that uh, these words of 
knowledge can be applied in wisdom in our daily lives and can bring us freedom from sin and addiction to unbind the, the chains that surround us. Lord Father God, I pray that we emulate your life here on earth and be your hands and feet and just shine the, your light from within us and just love one another like you loved us because you loved us first. Lord Father God, I just pray that, again I reiterate that we need to be role models to the communities outside where we are from. Like I said, we are Father's generation and the youth of today need fathers, mothers, men, not boys, women, not girls, people of character. Lord Father God, just be with us and be with our families on the outside. I pray this in your mighty holy name, your beloved Son Jesus.